welcome to you. It is the Gold Standard Podcast on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and as always, our co-host, Levin Black. Levin, how are you? I'm doing all right. Ready to get back to football. This is the last episode before the regular season starts. I can't believe we're here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been it's been so weird because even with training camp starting and getting going, you didn't have the preseason games, and you still had the whole, whole COVID thing in the back of your mind. Like, well, you know, is this for real? Is it not? Uh, I'm just going to kind of wait and see. It's been such a subdued lead up to the season, I feel, at least personally. And last week was a subdued episode for us as well, just because of everything that was going on in the NBA. So we are getting back into football. We're jumping in with both feet today, and we thought no better way to do it than when some good old-fashioned gambling. So we found some 49ers prop bets. Uh, These are from DraftKings. And we thought it'd be a good little uh, season preview. So let's get right into it, Levin. Let's start out with the big one. Team win total. The Niners are at 10 and a half, which is tied for the highest in the NFC with the Saints. Uh, You could also get the Eagles at that number, but there was a couple other Eagles bets. So basically it's Niners, Saints, 10 and a half. Where do you stand on that? It's a tough one because winning 11 games is extremely difficult, even when you're a really good team and obviously the Niners on top of that have the division to fight off. So of all the really good teams, I think they have the hardest division to cause them to not win as many. Um, It is obviously a very well thought out line because 10 wins you would feel pretty confident in you get to that 11th win. It becomes a lot more difficult to feel confident It's a bet that if I had to make, I would probably take the over. But it's also a bet that if I was truly gambling with it, I would never bet on. It's to me uh, one of those one of these bets that's like truly a good 50 50 toss up and there's too many variables to it. It's almost like these guys that make the odds know what they're doing, huh? (laughs) It, Um, It really does amaze me how well they nail it so many different times on even like the more advanced things, you know, like somebody's specific yard. It's like, how the heck did you get that within a, a couple yards? So the this one was tough. At first I was like unsure, but then I started breaking it down and I feel pretty comfortable with the over. I see 10 games on the schedule. I think they should win. Now, again, not saying that they will win all of them, but I think there's 10 that they should. I mean, the easy ones, the Jets, the Giants, the Dolphins and Washington, like, you agree with me, right? Like those should be wins. Should be, yes. I mean, okay. So that's four. I think they should beat Arizona twice. The Packers, the Bills, the Rams, and the Seahawks. At least once for the division guys. At least once, yeah, sure. Arizona, I wouldn't be. They should win twice, but I. I also, I mean, we'll probably get into that more next week since they're the week one opponent. But right. Arizona scares me because they really struggled with them last year, and both games were close. And you would imagine they're going to be better this year with adding uh, Hopkins and Murray not being a rookie. But it sounds like you're on board with me pretty much. Then that's 10 games right there that we think they should win. So there's six games left. 
Rams, Seahawks, Eagles, Patriots, Saints, and Cowboys. Those are the games. Let's say I'm wrong, right? And the 49ers lose one of the should-win games. They only have to win two of those last six, and you still hit the over. So if they go two and four, you still make money. I think the over is a good bet. It it could be. I guess it, it's probably just a personal bias that I've never liked that. I never liked the season win total bets. doesn't matter if they're a really bad team where the season win total a few years ago was probably four and a half or one higher like this at 10 and a half. It, it's one to me that's just, has too many variables. I mean, all it takes is one Jimmy issue, and <laughs> there goes the win total. That is the frightening thing, right? He has the power to take the 49ers from a game they should win to a game they'll lose because of his just ridiculous penchant to throw interceptions. I mean, last year he got lucky that really none of them came at a, a devastating, back-breaking time until the Super Bowl. But <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing he truly needs to improve on. Everything else is good. There are a couple games. Like, I think I put the Bills in the should win category because I think they should. But I think that game is going to be a pain in the... Sean McDermott's a really good coach. The Bills have a good defense. That is not going to be like a walk-in-the-park game. No, and Josh Allen is a sneaky good quarterback i mean i I use quarterback loosely there obviously he (laughs) has some issues um but he's like a he's not the same athlete but he's like a michael vick his passing is suspect his passing can be bad but his running gives them so many extended drives that otherwise would not be extended with a normal quarterback playing there and that gives them extra points that you know only a few quarterbacks in the league can give i mean it it's really weird how good of a runner he is because when he was coming out, that wasn't on the radar of the scouting report. It was, yeah, he's a decent athlete, but that's it. It wasn't like this is a scrambling quarterback. It, it's just weird to me that he's suddenly become this, you know, Cam Newton level runner. Yeah, he's really good with his legs. He's, he's and he. He takes some hits sometimes too, which I, you know, from a non-Bills fan, makes it a lot more exciting for me. So I'm all for it. Feel free to do that against the 49ers too. We'll see how that works out for you. You know the part that really scares me when they play New England, the Patriots are coming off a bye. Like just to make that game extra tough for the 49ers, we'll give Bill Belichick another week to prepare for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for that game. It- It's certainly in my time as a fan, the most I've been excited for a coaching matchup. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It is the offensive genius versus the defensive genius chess match between the coaches. I I would imagine Shanahan spent a good bit of time in the offseason coming up with plays specifically for that game just to you know, I, I can I can see a lot of shots of both coaches on the sideline with a smirk on their face after they did something that nobody's seen before. It, it's one of those yeah, games. And you know that, that game of, I am excited. They're kind of buddies too. Like remember when they when the Falcons lost the Super Bowl, Shanahan met with Belichick afterwards and was basically like, What did I do wrong? So like there's a there's a friendship there too. That may be the reason they ended up with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that that's a very big reason why they ended up with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, the reports are when that trade happened, that part of the, what 
uh, made him pull the trigger on that was Belichick wanted to do something good for Jimmy. He didn't want to just send him to somewhere that uh, he would have a terrible coach offensively. Like it was reported by many people at the time that Shanahan is one of the reasons why he chose San Francisco. It's yeah, that, that whole trade is fascinating, but I don't want to stray too far from the bets here. So we're both going over 10 and a half and we'll get into specifically the number we think next week, but you you're comfortable with the over with me. Yeah, I, I would choose over. I wouldn't say I'm comfortable, but I'm choosing it. All right. All right. Let's move on to the next uh, team prop. We want to look at here. The odds to lead the NFL in scoring. The Niners are plus 1100. So you bet a hundred dollars, you win 1100. That is the sixth best in the league behind Kansas City, New Orleans, Baltimore, the Buccaneers, and Dallas. That is one I would hammer if I was betting. Really? Just because you got to look at it as last year the Niners were actually a lot better offensively than people realized. They were, uh, I believe, tied for fifth in scoring, um, and they weren't far behind the Baltimore I mean, the Baltimore offense, I, I don't think it's going out on a limb to say they're not going to be as efficient scoring. I mean, the amount of times that they were able to not have to settle for a field goal was one of the all-time great rates. Um, it's not likely for that to happen again. So they're going to come back down to earth, and that puts the Niners right there in the group of teams that could lead the league. And I think the Niners have improved more than those other teams offensively because you're you're likely to have Jimmy be at least a little bit better uh not as many turnovers as we mentioned but I think I think the run game can be every bit as special I think Jet being healthy brings a whole new dynamic and I mean we've seen just this week there's been some great reports coming out about Jordan Reed and how great he's been now that he's practicing and Shanahan talking about how he's constantly getting open I mean, they could have that two-headed monster, two-tight-end offense with Kittle and Reed that we last saw in New England. So we didn't give the Niners enough credit. They were actually second in scoring last year. Was it second? Yeah, the Ravens scored 531, and the Niners were second at 479, which is a big gap between the two teams. But, I mean, for all the criticism Jimmy Garoppolo took last year, he's the second-highest scoring offense in the league. How many elite defenses do you see on the schedule? Because I'm looking right now. I mean, the Patriots, absolutely. The Saints, uh, elite, I don't know if I'd put them there. The Cowboys could be a huge challenge, especially if Alden Smith plays like the Alden Smith that you and I remember in San Francisco. But I don't see a ton of elite defenses there, so I kind of agree with you. There's value here. For 100 bucks for the chance to win 1100 you. I could definitely see plunking down some money on the 49ers because I agree. I don't think the Ravens are going to score as many, and I don't see any reason why the 49ers would score less. Right, and so that puts them right there in the running. I mean, leading the league in scoring actually sometimes ends up being decided by what defense got a couple lucky breaks and had more touchdowns. I mean, having that defense that instead of just one pick six has five or six of them. I mean, that that's 30 points. I mean, you said it was a huge gap between Baltimore and the 49ers, which it was comparatively comparatively to normal gaps between the first and second offense, but it was still only 
52 points. That's less than, that's what, eight, a little over eight touchdowns. So that's true. I mean, it's, it's not that big of a gap as you would think. And just a couple of lucky breaks here or there, and you end up leading the league. So to me, 11 to one odds, basically getting 11 times, whatever you bet as winnings is phenomenal value. And this is one of the ones that I would feel best putting on and trying to get a huge win. You know, so some of these, you know, you can't win a ton of money unless you wager a ton of money. So one like this, where you don't have to wager a whole lot of money to make a ton of money because you're getting 11 times whatever you bet is one that you really look for. And if you find one you like, go in on it. So would that be, well, you know what, I'll save that question for the end. I want to ask you which one you're most comfortable with. But let's go now to the defensive side. The odds to allow the fewest points, 49ers, are 13 to 1. So plus 1,300, that is tied for fifth. The Bills, Steelers, Patriots, Ravens, and then the Chargers who are tied with the 49ers. This is one, I think it's really good as well, good value. Uh, I would say it's a little bit below the offense of one to me, which I think most people wouldn't think about in that manner. I think most people would feel more comfortable betting on the defense because they see the defense as being more of an elite team. This is still one I would want to bet on. Um, It's still one I like, but I think the defense to lead the league in points, I think a lot of it comes down to how many plays D Ford can play. If he plays more snaps than he did last year. I mean, he only played 23% of the snaps. So the year before he played 87% of the snaps for Kansas city. If he can get somewhere in the middle between those two, the Niners are going to be a dominant offense that could go to historic levels. Um, But I think D Ford, he he's the guy, his speed off the edge that really changes this defense from a really good one to a force to be reckoned with that nobody can do anything about because his speed compa- with Boza on the other side just really elevates this defense. And the, st- the stats backed that up from last year. I mean, when D Ford was actually in, this defense's pass rush was crazy good. And without him, it was merely average. Yeah, I mean, Mike McGlinchey said exactly what you said. He said Ford's speed unlocks the entire defense. And it's, it's right. I mean, if he's right... That defensive, the, the ends of the 49ers defense are going to be unreal. And even if he could play 50% of the snaps, that'd be twice as much as he played last year. It would make a massive difference. But I don't, I don't feel that great about this one. The 49ers have a lot of really good quarterbacks on their schedule. Of course, they got to face Russell Wilson twice. I think Kyler Murray could make that jump to elite. I think he's going to be very, very good. So they got to play him twice. They got to play Carson Wentz, who I I don't care what people say. He's elite to well, me. Well, you cross your fingers on the Carson Wentz thing with as much as he's hurt. Yeah, true. I mean, he did play 16 games last year. Cam Newton can be elite, and I think in New England he will be. Drew Brees still has Sean Payton, though that offense is going to score points. And you can criticize them all you want, but Dak had an awesome year last year. That's <laughs> a lot of really good quarterbacks. Even though the 49ers might win those games, they might give up 25, 30, 35 points in some of them. It's possible, but I do think that it should be noted that I think a better offense this year, which I do think the Niners' offense will be better, um, will help the defense 
allow less points because they won't be on the field as much. Not that the Niners were bad last year offensively, but I do think that the offense could help them be help the defense allow a lot less points, especially if they jump out to big leads and those ends can really tee off and start going after quarterbacks. That is literally exactly what I was going to say. If the 49ers are built to get a lead and make you have to pass, and if you have to pass and they have their dogs there, you're screwed basically. And if the if even if they could convert more of the field goals to touchdowns, which I think they maybe could if Kyle Shanahan was willing to go for it on fourth down more instead of constantly kicking field goals. But if they can do that, they're really going to put teams in a bind. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that their point differential, when you look at these two bets that we just talked about, and the fact that both of them are pretty good bets to, that you might want to wager on, it speaks to the point differential the Niners should be putting up. They could have a massive point differential because they have one of the league's best offenses that has a decent chance of leading the league in points, and they have arguably the best defense in the NFL. I think it's really only between them, New England, and Pittsburgh. Those are the only three teams that could even be in the conversation, and I think New England could take a step back a little bit and – the Niners were number two last year. New England allowed 225 points last year. That's insane. That's 14 points a game. And you look at that defense and you're like, okay, they have Stefan Gilmore. He's really good. But I don't look at that as a defense loaded with studs. I just look at that as Bill Belichick is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, I mean, name their pass rusher. <laughs> you, you, there's not a dominant pass rusher on there. They traded away their dominant pass rusher years ago in Chandler Jones. I mean, it's amazing what Belichick can do. He literally trades away stars on the defense and still produces defensively. Now, they did finally kind of elevate themselves. They did have a couple of years there where I wouldn't say they were mediocre, but they weren't amongst the best defenses in the league for a couple of years there. But then last year, they finally elevated. I do find it funny, though, that everybody talks talked about New England and how dominant they were against the pass and that they were allowing so few uh, passing touchdowns and Stephon Gilmore won defensive MVP out of the secondary. The Niners allowed less passing yards last year. The Niners' defense was the one that allowed the fewest passing yards of any team in 11 years. It, it's not since the Rebus Island Jets that he knows Sherman knows all about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally, that to me is such an underrated fact from last year that more people should be mentioning. And I've mentioned it half a dozen times because I I realized it uh, during the playoffs when I went back and kind of looked at where they were ranking that they allowed fewer passing yards last year than any Legion of Boom team. It's literally the best secondary results-wise Sherman's ever played in. That's crazy. And they didn't get a single interception from their safeties in the regular season. Right. It, it just goes to show you how great that defense is because I don't think – I think the secondary players by themselves are decent. I think they're you know above league average overall as a group, but I don't think you know they are – this dominant all-time good secondary that you would think when they allow the fewest yards in 11 years, it really speaks to 
how good the Niners are everywhere. I mean, they have, I don't think there's much of a question when healthy, they're the best defensive line in the league. They have one of the best linebacking cores in the league. And then their secondary, the results wise, they're the best in the league. Yeah, that the Niners allowed 169 passing yards per game last season. The Patriots were second at 180. So that is basically a first down less per game allowed by the 49ers defense. All right, so those are some of the team props. I want to take a little break. We dig in, dug into some of those. Let's go a little deeper now. Let's go down the rabbit hole and check out what Vegas thinks the Niners players are going to do. We'll get to that next. All right, let's dig in now individual player props and we did make a couple up ourselves but i'll tell you when those are for right now these are from DraftKings, and jimmy garoppolo over under for pass yards on the season is 3700 and a half when i saw that number i was kind of surprised because it's less than last year it's less yards than what he passed for last year and i think everybody's expecting more passing yards i, I don't know if they factored in the chance of an injury into this but to me it's a really odd line because you would think people are hammering the over on that i mean the guys should have more passing yards than last year when he didn't even have 500 passing attempts last year and for a guy that played every meaningful snap for his team that's an extremely low amount i mean that that's an amount that you hear from back in the 90s not in the past happy league that you see now that's 231 yards a game, basically, a little more than that, but that's basically what it comes down to. I wonder if there's a little recency bias, right? Like, Garoppolo had a disaster of a fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. He didn't throw the ball at all in the NFC Championship game, and really, even in the divisional round against Minnesota, they ran it so much that I wonder if people are saying the Niners are just going to pound it and Kyle doesn't trust Jimmy to throw it, so we'll put it at 3,700. You would think Vegas knows what they're doing, though. That's the weird thing to me that had me kind of take a step back when they when I saw the line. Vegas knows what they're doing. I mean, they don't necessarily pick a line based on what they think is the closest to what in reality will be. I mean, they right. pick a line uh, based on what's going to get action that they think they can win. Well, when they have a number that's low... It's, I mean, it's a couple hundred yards lower than last year. He fell just shy of 4,000 yards last year. That, to me, means they're, they are very – they have no confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo. Vegas doesn't because they're, they have a number so low that they're really encouraging people to hammer the over, and they think they can win money that way. Yeah, 231 yards a game. In case you're wondering – that's basically Sam Darnold last year through for 232. So if like if you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to beat Sam Darnold level, that's that's I can't. I have to take it. When I look at it like that, to me I have to go over. Maybe that's just my homerism coming through there, but Jimmy's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. <laughs> is this the uh Jets hit episode? You just that's like the third time you've criticized the Jets and talked about how bad they are. Is there anything good to say about the Jets? Please tell me the good thing about the Jets. Yeah, they have Frank Their best Gore. Running back is Frank Gore. <laughs> and it's true. They have Frank Gore. That's a positive. But yeah, That's I mean, they're, they're not a good team. But yeah, I mean, to me, if Jimmy plays all 16 games, if he doesn't get 4,000 yards, 
that would be really surprising to me. Um, I think, and we've talked about this before on the show, that Jimmy makes a very serious run at the Niners team passing record that's owned by Jeff Garcia, which is 4,200 and something yards. That to me is almost the over under. That's what, that's how high, like if you get to like 4,200, that's the line where I start to question, okay, maybe I do want to take the under here. This is 500 yards less than that. The only way Jimmy doesn't get to 4,000, assuming he plays every game, is if Mostert runs for 2,000, right? Like, I, I feel like that's the only way that happens. Another year in the system, I think he's going to have better weapons around him overall when you look at throughout the entire season. To me, 4,000 is a lock, so I'm pounding the over with this one. Right. Th- this is one of the best player prop bets, I think, in the entire NFL. And I'm not pretending that I'm some NFL betting expert that's looked at every single team's lines, but this to me is such an obvious over it's hard to find a better one. couple other Jimmy Garoppolo props. Touchdowns, 25 and a half. To me, over. Like, over, definitely. I, he spreads it around, but 25 and a half in 2020, that doesn't seem to compute with me. That's too low. Let me put it this way. Jimmy Garoppolo had 27 last year, and the Niners led the league in rushing touchdowns. <laughs> so it would seem like he should have more than that i mean we've already talked about the offense should be improved and if they led the league in rushing touchdowns the year before and jimmy even with that had more passing touchdowns than this line then yeah the over seems to be the obvious one it, it seems to me that vegas is very very down on garoppolo but i think i wonder how much of of that is due to injury concerns and that's fair because he has had some injuries in the past. I will point out, too, that I believe George Kittle had three touchdowns called back last year via penalty. So, I mean, you got to take those away from Garoppolo as well. Last one with Jimmy G because I this one to me is fascinating. Odds to lead the NFL in interceptions, 22 to 1. So that's plus 2,200. I think he's a legitimate candidate to lead the league in interceptions, I think, because he just throws some stupid friggin' passes. Yeah, but, I mean, look at the NFC Championship game. If the run game's working, Kyle's not going to go away from it. And on top of that, if Garoppolo throws a couple bad picks, it's going to be weeks before Kyle really opens up the offense again. He will literally just stop passing the ball. I mean, he's confident (laughs) enough in his run game. He'll just keep running the ball. I mean, I, I don't see any way that Jimmy could lead the league in interceptions. I think if he's anywhere in that realm, I mean, you're looking at approaching 20 interceptions to lead the league most seasons. Winston was a abnormality last year with the 30. But I think if he's if he's throwing so many that he's more than one a game, there comes a point where I could see Shanahan pulling the trigger on a game where he's like particularly bad. I'm pulling the trigger and saying, okay, enough. I'm putting Mullins in for now. Oh, man. That's not Grant Cohn's dream. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Kyle is strict with his quarterbacks and players in general. I mean, look what happened to Brita last year. He had a couple fumbles, and that was all. That's all she wrote. I mean, he, he got no chance to ever redeem himself after a couple bad 
uh, fumbles and drops on passes. Yeah, the Kyle Shanahan doghouse. Uh, let's just say there's room for more than one in that in that building. <laughs> and it normally takes an injury where Kyle is forced to play you to get out. Yes. I mean, Dante Pettis had the game-winning catch against the Steelers, and he was still in the doghouse for the rest of the season and didn't suit up for the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's it's tough to get out of there. Uh, let's go to running back now. Raheem Mostert, this, this is by far the most confusing line, and I need your help with this. The over-under on Mostert rushing yards, according to DraftKings, is 750 and a half. Are they just assuming that Shanahan is just going to rotate so many guys in there all the time that he's just not going to get enough carries? Yes. And this is one that I would hesitate picking in all honesty, because one, I mean, there's a lot of variables here. Um, And we'll get into how much he plays here in a second, but most are gets banged up a lot and he's not the biggest of running backs. So, I mean, I, I think there is a lot of concern there for injuries causing him to not get the rushing yards people are thinking. Um, but I do think that a healthy jet, a healthy Jarek McKinnon steals a lot of plays from Mostert. He will be in a lot. I mean, jet becomes a third down back probably almost exclusively if he's healthy, but they're not going to make him just that. They got to play him some on first and second down so that the defense doesn't go, oh, Jets in. Well, they're definitely passing. <laughs> I I really think that a healthy Jerick McKinnon means I could see the breakdown being a lot closer than people think on rush attempts. I, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when the reports were coming out the Jet was looking really good and the athleticism was still there that – I think Mozart doesn't get to 200 carries unless there's injuries. I think there's a very big uh, committee because you got to factor in the love that Shanahan has for Coleman as well. He's not going to not play at all. <laughs> right. And Mozart had 137 carries last year. But, I mean, if you're going to say that Jimmy Garoppolo might get injured and maybe they factor that in, I mean, you got to factor in a Jarek McKinnon injury, don't you? You can't assume he's going to be taking away carries for the whole season. Yes, but, I mean, you got to factor in, like I said, Mostert's not the healthiest of running backs. He was banged up a lot last year. He has literally no history of taking the pounding because he wasn't a running back in his career. Right. So for him to suddenly get you know, 200 to 250 carries, his body might not be able to take it. I mean, it takes years to be used to that. And I mean, your body learns to take those hits. It's something your body adapts to over time of doing that your whole life. He doesn't have that. I could see him having some games where he gets dinged up here and there. But I mean, it really comes down to, can he average the same amount of yards per carry as last year? Because if he can get even uh, five or more yards per carry, then this becomes a pretty easy decision for the over because then it only takes, what, 150 yards to get there or 150 Steve, carries. Steve Young made a good point, basically, which was with the lockdown from coronavirus, defensive coordinators around the league have basically had extra time to just sit in there in front of their computers, hunker down, and figure out ways to slow down Kyle Shanahan's offense. And if I was one of those defensive coordinators, I'm not spending that extra time studying Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I'm spending the extra time figuring out how to attack this run game because that's really the key to the whole 49ers offense. So if defensive coordinators are doing that, I feel like Mostert could be the guy most affected by that. Yes, but then you have the whole, if this two tight end thing comes to fruition with Jordan Reed, and that's yet another injury thing that you got to factor in with his long injury history. But if he's able to play a lot and they start using this two tight end set a lot, that really allows them to dominate in the run game even more because the threat of the pass is so significant with Kittle and Reed there that they have to still factor that in. They can't just bring the safeties down and say, well, they're definitely running in this two tight end set because we know that Shanahan will change and audible into something else if that's what they're doing. But still, running the two tight end set allows you to run so much more. You don't necessarily, I mean, we, we, we've we seen in the past, Kittle is in motion a lot, and Juice is in motion a lot to get them to the side that they're going to end up running. Well, if you have a two tight end set, you don't necessarily have to do that. You don't have to tip your hand prior to the snap. Yeah, they if, if they can get significant contributions from McKinnon and Reed, I think that does that changes so much of this offense from what it was last year that uh, that you know helps maybe mitigate some of the extra time that defensive coordinators have spent studying up on on the scheme. Um, let's go to one here that we just sort of came up with ourselves. Jarek McKinnon receptions. We put the over under at thirty for the season. In case you're wondering, Tevin Coleman led the team last year uh, running back wise with twenty one. See, this is one that. I put on there because I wanted to say I'm taking the over on this one. I think McKinnon ends up, if he plays this this season and remains healthy, that's a big if. I understand that. But if he does, I think he leads all running backs in total yards. I think he has more total yards than Mostert. And I think that's because he'll end up getting quite a, quite a few carries. You know, I mentioned in earlier with Mostert that I think Mostert gets about 175 carries. I would have Jet in the low 100s there with Coleman coming in with just, you know, 50 or so throughout the season. So I could see Jet getting 100-plus carries, and I think Shanahan will devise plays just to get him the ball in the passing game because he's that good in the passing game. I could see McKinnon having one of these seasons where he gets – 100 and something rushes, 500, 600 yards rushing, and then has 50-plus catches and another 500 yards from catching because he's not going to just be these little dump-offs where he's trying to turn a broken play into a couple-yard gain. He's going to be running passing routes 15 yards down the field. I mean, he could have a 1,200 combined yard season. I could see that happening if he stays healthy. I agree with everything you said. I just think there's no chance he stays healthy. So I'm going to take the under on that one. You know, uh, John Lund from KMBR said injured players get injured. And I have to agree. I mean, McKinnon has not been able to stay healthy in two years. I would love for it if he does, but I can't, when it comes to my money, I can't put my money there. So I'm going to keep that one. I will take the under if forced to choose. Um, Okay, let's do this one. Another one that we came up with. This is one I came up with, and I'm I'm being specific with it. Receptions for Brandon Ayuk. I put it at 57 and a half. First question for you. Do you know why I put it at 57 and a half? Uh, is that the amount Debo had last year? 
That is the rookie 49ers rookie record for receptions in a season. Do you know who has that record? I would have said Debo, but I'm guessing not because I just said that. No, it's actually Debo. He broke Jerry Rice's record. So Debo Samuel has the 49ers single C or rookie season uh, reception record. It's at 57. So do you think Ayuk is going to go over or under that? Now, I'm a huge Ayuk fan, as people on Twitter know. I, I've said that he could be already better uh, talent-wise than Debo Samuel. Not as a rookie. I mean, currently, right now, as both players sit, Ayuk could be the better receiver. And people are agreeing with you, which I couldn't believe. <laughs> the issue I have with this is I think the Niners spread the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. amongst their players i mean i think trent taylor is going to be taking quite a few of the shorter slants things like that uh especially on third downs you're going to have debo samuel getting hit getting some numbers there and kendrick Bourne's going going to play some and then you got the tight ends i mean the tight ends could really steal a lot of receptions from those receivers and i think Ayuk will be the deep ball I could see him having quite a few yards being among the rookie leaders in yards, but I see it more as having less total receptions. If that makes sense. I think he, I think he might only have 30, 40 receptions as a rookie, but that will equate to 700 or so yards, a good rookie season, but just with as many options as they have that are quality in the passing game, I think it's really hard for one wide receiver to approach you know, 55, 60 receptions. That's fair. I'll take the under just because I, I don't know. When we're talking about team records, <laughs> I can't assume that the next rookie is going to break the record that the last year's rookie set. So I'll take the under on that one as well. I'm trying to keep my homerism in check a little bit here. I mean, I think Ayuk is going to be good, but you're right. So much depends on how these guys are used. And if he's the deep threat, you know, if you're a deep threat, you're not going to catch 70 passes a year. That's just not how it works. Uh, let's go. I mean, put, let's put it this way: If Ayuk could has a season where he has sixty to seventy receptions, you're looking at a guy that has eleven hundred yards with what he's going to be in this offense as the right. deep threat. I mean, no rookie had that dominant of a season. I mean, that that's pretty close to what AJ Brown had last year as the league's best rookie. But it's pretty rare for a rookie receiver to get over 1,100 yards, and that's what you would be starting to to look at if I you get that many receptions. It's just not likely. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at Randy Moss's rookie year, I think he has the rookie record, and that's, he had 1,313 yards in his rookie year. So, And that's, you know, like the best we've ever seen. So Ayuk is not going to get 1,100 yards this year, and that's okay if he doesn't. He'll be just fine. Well, let's move on to George Kittle now. According to DraftKings, the over/under on receiving yards for Kittle on the season is one thousand fifty and a half. For the exact same reasons I just said about Ayuk, I would hammer the under on this one. I don't think anybody in this offense gets a thousand yards of any one thing. I don't think anybody gets a thousand rushing yards, and I don't think anybody gets a thousand re- uh, receiving yards because I Ooh. think there's so many options. On the on this team, I think Jordan Reed does steal quite a few uh, 
balls that would have gone to Kittle. I, I think he steals quite a bit because he's going to be that tight end. They're going to be able to rest Kittle a little bit more than they did. Kittle's had to play almost every down because he was so vital to that offense. I think there will be plays where, you know, maybe they've run the ball three or four times in a row and Kittle's been down the field blocking. And so they pull him out and let Reed run the passing route. I could see that happening. I mean, Reed's good enough in the passing game to do that. So I think Kittle, who's really, I think, the only one that would stand a really good chance of topping a 1,000 yards, doesn't get there. That is a bold prediction from you, Levin. Nobody on the 49ers <laughs> will have a 1,000 yards either rushing or receiving. I, I will take that bet. I will take that bet, and I will bet you, I don't know, like, I want to see you, like, eat a ghost pepper. Nah, no. Nah. I want you to like eat a ghost pepper and put it on Twitter, and we can see your head explode when you have to eat this thing. Nobody wants to see my face, period. Let alone one while eating a ghost pepper. And I don't feel like ruining my entire week. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing a bet like that. I'll do a bet. I'm not doing. You can call me what you want. I'm not doing a pepper bet. I, I have, have you ever had a ghost pepper? I have not had a ghost pepper. I had a father who way back in the 90s had a huge garden and he grew habaneros back when those were, you know, the hottest common pepper out there. And he used to offer my brother and I $5 to be able to eat one and let nothing pass your lips for five minutes. And I watched my brother go through that. And I have no interest in bets that have to do with hot peppers. Even though I, I do like spicy food, I don't like crazy spicy food. And I've seen the misery that comes with that, that by the way, it doesn't end after you, you know, once the burning in your mouth stops, that's not the end of it. The worst is yet to come. (laughs) (laughs) So as if I needed another reason to hate Travis Kelsey, when I was with pro football talk, we had Kelsey on the show and, you know, as these guys do, they're always endorsing products. So Kelsey came on the show and was endorsing, these ghost or reaper, it was a reaper pepper potato chips, these packy chips. And he was like talking about how good they were. And Florio hit me up and was like, Hey, let's see if he can send some. So he sent some over for us. First of all, they come in a coffin. The box is in the shape of a coffin, which is entirely appropriate. Let me tell you, but he sent over a ton. So my Florio was like, I only need a couple. So he gave the rest to the staff. So we tried them. Let me tell you, I was destroyed for the entire rest of the day. So they say, like, if you eat a hot thing, you should go get some milk. That really helps. So I ran to the cafeteria, drank an entire bottle of milk. I chugged it on my drive home. It had no effect. I was so messed up. I had to lay down. I laid down on the couch for like 45 minutes. I could not move. It was like nothing I've ever eaten before in my life. I mean... I got a story for when when ghost peppers were first coming out, they were first engineered, created. I was on vacation in the Tennessee mountains with my family, and I took my nephews out to the store to, you know, get them a present. Uh, I I like to take them out and they can pick their present and stuff. He wanted, I had a nephew, he was probably only eight or nine at the time. He wanted uh, this ghost pepper, uh, bag so that he could take them home and have his uh half brothers eat them to give them misery 
<laughs> and uh, I wouldn't buy them for them. Uh, but they had this ghost pepper salsa out as a sample with chips. Like you could dip into it. And I told him to steer clear of it. And when my back was turned, he put oh. some on his finger and we come out of the store and he's got, he's holding up his finger all proud. And he's, you know, I could, I knew what it was. And I said, you will regret if you do anything <laughs> with that. So the first thing he did is he just licked it a tiny bit with his tongue, which he regretted. But the reason I tell the story is when he started to feel the burn on his, in his mouth, he panicked and he wiped the rest of it on, on his chest, like underneath the shirt on his chest. Well, we didn't think much of that at the time because he was so concerned about his mouth. But after I got him a frosty to try to cool <laughs> down his mouth, he started complaining about his chest and we lifted up his shirt. His entire chest was bright red burning from what? stuff. I'm not doing a ghost pepper bet. Oh, man. <laughs> You have been scarred. Yeah, it literally burned his chest. It's like, no, I, I, I'm not doing those bets. I mean, I had habanero wing sauce when I was about six years old. My dad, one of his, my dad was a soccer coach. He, he one of his players uh, came and had those, and they paid me five dollars to eat one, which really pissed off my mother. But I remember trying to cool my lips. I went and got an ice cube. The ice cube got stuck to my lips, and I had to rip it off because of the heat to to the cold of the ice. It's like, I, I'm not doing these bets. I, I did these when I was like six, seven years old. I'm good. Oh, all right. Well, we got to come up with terms for something. <laughs> how, um, about, how about this? People can tweet us with suggestions and we'll figure out something and we'll come back next week in our season preview and have one. Okay. That's good. You hit us up at NN podcast or at DA sports bomb is 11. I'm at stats on fire. We will take your suggestions I want to see Levin humiliated, basically. Um, okay, let's go to – oh, the Kittle touchdowns over, real quick. Over-under is seven. Here's the thing about that. That'd be more touchdowns than George Kittle has ever had in a season in his entire career. He's never had more than five. Um, I'm taking the under. I think he's – I mean, Kittle's the guy getting all the attention in the red zone wherever he goes. Plus, they need him to block a lot of the times, which I think they're still going to do because their offensive line is still in shambles. I think that there's no way Kittle gets to seven. I would pound the under. That's tough because he's such a good player. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I saw I saw this uh, about a week ago. I think the stat was touchdowns of, I want to say it was 50 yards or more. I can't remember the exact number of yards, but it's basically super long touchdowns. He has the most of any player in the league the last three years. So a lot of his touchdowns have come in that manner, which is not something to count on. Um, and I also think factoring in on this is the fact that I think Kendra Bourne is the red zone specialist receiver. Uh, and we've seen reports in training camp of him dominating in the red zone in that manner. So I think this is one, it, it's weird to say, and based on what I just said on the last segment with his yards, people are probably going to start saying that I'm a big Kittle negative because I'm saying he doesn't get over a thousand yards. And I don't think he gets the seven touchdowns either. But I just think that this is a team that has too many quality options. Yeah, that's the thing I think people need to remember, too. You don't need to repeat last year's performance for the team to be better. Like individually, they could all have worse years than they had. But because of the new additions and the guys coming back, the team and the offense could actually function better than it did last year. Right. I mean, I think the the 
days of Kittle being a record-setting tight end receiving-wise are behind him. That's something that happened because of how bad the team was. Yeah. I mean, he set the tight end yards record in a season because the team was so bad. Kyle Shanahan is not somebody that is going to have kind of tunnel vision and just keep force-feeding the same guy. He's going to call a play that's designed to give his quarterback options. He doesn't design play unless it's like a wide receiver screen to say, this guy's getting the ball. Two more players I want to get to before we go. Uh, first is Nick Bosa. His sack total over under, according to DraftKings, is 10 and a half. I take the under on that. I feel really good about it. He's going to get all the attention from everybody this year. Measuring Bosa's success just by sacks would be a terrible way to do it. Uh, I, he'll still get some, but I don't think he's getting more than 10 and a half. Yeah, I, that that is one I probably would take the under as well. It's tough, but I think you're right in that he's probably going to be double teamed every single play, and teams are going to say, you know, somebody else is going to have to beat us. And then you also have to factor in that he doesn't have elite speed there. He's not going to chase down a Kylo Murray, who he has to play two games, a Russell Wilson, who he has to play twice. And then, you know, we already mentioned Joss Allen. He has a lot of scrambling quarterbacks on this uh, schedule. And he's not one of those guys that's going to catch them from behind. So I think that's going to make it difficult for him to have the eye-popping sack stat. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to dominate and be a massive factor and be the best defensive player uh, for the 49ers. Yeah, that's a really good point about the quarterbacks they play. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, even Dak Prescott can be pretty mobile when he wants to be. There's a lot of guys out there that you're going to have to earn it if you want to bring them down. And yeah, to say he's going to do it 11 times, which is what you would need to get the over, I don't think that that's a safe bet for Bosa this year. All right, last one. D Ford, and this is one that you and I were talking about, percentage of snaps played this year. I'll put the over-under at 49.5%, and I will take the under because I've said it to you and I've said it to other people and other podcasts. I don't think D Ford is ever going to be fully healthy again, and I think, number one, his body's not going to let him play enough, and I think the Niners are really going to rest him in, in a lot of spots and try and save him for December and January football. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you'd definitely take the under here, especially with him already having a training camp injury that, I mean, Shanahan came out the other day and said that uh, he'd be really surprised if he doesn't play week one, but it's at least a question already. I mean, it's a question right. whether or not D Ford is ready for week one. And I do think that there, there's going to be a significant amount of resting, like you said. I think that he could be, in a lot of games used as basically a third down pass rush specialist. Mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't play on first and second down. I mean, he's technically not a starter for the 49ers. I mean, I think he technically started only two games out of the, I forget the total no, two out of 11 games or whatever it was last year that he played because he, he doesn't play on first down a lot. They slide Eric Armstead to the outside for first down. And that means D four technically doesn't start. And I do think that, they will basically use him when they need him and try to take as much off as they can. And that means that he's just not going to get the snaps that you 
would expect for a guy that's getting paid what he is. Yeah, and it's amazing for a guy that could play fewer than half the snaps on defense. He's He could be the key to the entire success of that unit. It's pretty wild when you think about it. And I think I think it's amazing. Like, I went back, so I was looking at his snap counts. He played 239 total snaps last year, which was just under 23% for the Niners. And I was like, what? how much does he play for Kansas City? So I went back to the previous year when he was in Kansas City. Those guys used and abused him. They knew they were not they were not going to keep him in any shape or form. They played him 87% of his snaps. Now, wow. I don't know how much our listeners know about snap counts, but defensive players, especially on the defensive line, don't play every single snap. Somebody like Nick Boza didn't play that percentage of snaps for the Niners last year. Defensive players on long drives need a break, especially those in the trenches. 87 snaps is a team that is saying, basically that says, we're just going to use and abuse you. That's what that signifies. When a defensive lineman plays that amount of snaps, now he was a linebacker sort of for them, but I mean, he rushed into the backfield every single play for Kansas City. It's amazing to me that he was able to do that. Like that, that really... It, it bothers me. Still bothers me right now. I was like, wait, he was capable of playing 87 snaps, 87% of the snaps for them, and he can't even get a quarter for the Niners? I mean, I know it's not his fault, and he's a good guy, but it's like, jeez, I'm sitting here thinking, can he play 40 to 50% of the snaps? Because if he can, the Niners are in great shape. And he played twice that percentage the year with Kansas City before he came over. Yeah, but you, there's there's diminishing returns with that, right? Like if you're chopping down a tree and you're using a, a saw and you're sawing away, sawing away, sawing away, the saw gets dull after a while. You're better off stopping for a little, sharpening the saw, and then resuming cutting down the tree. Eventually, yeah, you're in for 87% of the snaps, but how much energy do you have on those snaps? What kind of rush are you able to generate? Because you're just so tired. Well, he did have 15 and a half sacks, but I think ideally for D40 would be him playing 50 to 60% of the snaps. I think that's the perfect spot for him and for this defense, but I I don't have much faith that he's going to get it. He's already got an injury. So that is a look at some of the props for the Niners players this season. So just to recap for the team, we're going over 10 and a half. Both of us feel, I feel very comfortable with it. Levin is lukewarm, comfortable with it. And I feel like for the offense, especially Jimmy Garoppolo, we're very confident going over. But for the defense, I feel like we tended to to lean more on the under for a lot of these things. And I think that's just because of, like you said, there's a little bit of reputation here, or reputation here. And Vegas plays on that to try to get the bets that they want. Jimmy is not well-respected, so his numbers were lower than you would expect for the lines. And the defense got all this pub about how great they are and how good they're going to be. So a lot of their lines are really top, top of the NFL lines. God, that was a really good, quick analysis of both of the points that I just made. I'm here for a reason, Rob. That's the last compliment (laughs) I'm going to give you. Okay. So we want your suggestions for the bet. Again, Levin thinks that no player on the 49ers will have a thousand yards receiving or a thousand yards rushing. I think that it, they're going to see 
somebody go over a thousand yards in some category. We want your suggestions for what the payoff of the bet should be. You can hit us up on Twitter at NN Podcast. I'm at Stats on Fire. Eleven is at the Sports Bum. Da Sports Bum. Please, we'll take your suggestions, and I will pick out the worst possible one because I think Levin's going to have to do it. That's going to do it for us. Join us next week. We will be in full preview mode. We are so close to the start of the regular season. I can't wait. Please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Five-star reviews are always great. We like nice things. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.